Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise today. Wherever you are, give God some praise for life, health, and strength. We used to have a saying, here today and gone tomorrow. But how many of you know you can be here today and gone today? Amen. And so we should be thankful and grateful for every moment of life God gives to us because it is a gift from God. I want to thank all of you for your prayers uh, at the home going of my pastor, my friend, uh, Dr. Herb Lusk, who went home to be with the Lord, 69 years old. And um, man, just uh, felt such a great loss um, there sharing at his home going uh, with his family. His son is succeeding him there at the church as pastor uh, Herb Lust III. And uh, it's amazing. He's uh, one of those, you know, old folks used to say, I knew you before you were born. And so he's one of those I knew before he was born. And to see uh, the preacher and pastor and leader that uh, Lil Herb has grown into, we can't call him Lil Herb anymore. Uh, but man, I'm just grateful. I want to thank you for your prayers. Uh, it was a great homegoing celebration. Um, people had no idea. I think they may have had a glimpse, but they had no idea how many people he has touched and impacted through his ministry. And I'll just tell you this little brief story. Um, I first heard Pastor Lust when I was 17 years old, 1979, the summer of 1979. He was playing for the Philadelphia Eagles and he was doing youth crusades for Christ. And literally hundreds of kids were coming out and giving their life to Jesus Christ under his preaching and teaching um, as a running back for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I was talking to uh, Dr. Jonathan Whitfield, who is the president of the Iowa Baptist State Convention. And as we were talking on the phone, he said, man, you know, I attended one of those Youth Crusade for Christ when I was a kid and gave my life to the Lord. And I said, Whit, I said, it's amazing. I wonder how many young men and young women went to those youth crusades for Christ. Hundreds at every one gave their life to the Lord. How many of them are in ministry today? That's just one story of how uh, this man impacted my life. When I think about the tree that was planted by Pastor Lusk in my life, um, I got here to Good Hope because of Dr. E.K. Bailey. But I never would have met Dr. E.K. Bailey if it wasn't for Dr. Lusk because Pastor Lusk introduced me to a number of people, including Bishop Keith Reed. And Keith Reed and I developed a friendship and it was that friendship that got me to Dallas and Bishop Reed introduced me to Dr. E.K. Bailey. And then that relationship blossomed into me being here at the Good Hope Church. And so uh, when I think about the Mount Rushmore of my life and the people who um, I would not be where I am today without them, um, Dr. Lusk is without question um, at, the, at the forefront of that list, at the top of that list. Um, he was uh, my pastor and over the years he allowed me to become his peer and we became friends. And um, I, I, I truly will miss him. I told my wife it just didn't feel right landing in Philadelphia and not picking up the phone to call him to see how he was doing, where he was, and when we were going to get together. And so, uh, but keep his family in your prayers. Keep the church family in your prayers as well. Speaking of Bishop Reed, uh, we celebrated his 40th pastoral anniversary on last week. He said to tell everybody hello and uh, looks forward to coming back to share here at the Good Hope Church, but it was a, a, a tremendous blessing. And uh, last year, last year, let me show you how, how, the, how the Lord works. Last year, uh, for my pastoral anniversary, um, they surprised me and had Bishop Reed and Pastor Lusk here on last year. And we were able to um, fellowship together because uh, their time here overlapped. And they never get a chance to just hang out in Philadelphia because they both just ripping and running. And so we got a chance to hang out and it was a great, great time. Uh, Pastor Lusk did 
Sharon Baptist Church's revival for 10 years straight. And that's how I got a chance to meet uh, Bishop Reed. want to thank you all. I'm celebrating uh, my 40th year in ordained ministry this year. <clears throat> and as I often say, I'm getting up to that age now where I'm becoming like those I once talked about. And so uh, 40 years is, uh, is a long time to be doing anything. Um, but I appreciate your love and your support and your prayers. I want to thank God for our prayer caravan. They went out 10 cars deep to engage our community and remind our community about voter engagement and voter registration. And come on, give the Lord a hand of praise for. Our outreach ministry, I want to thank them for um, always reminding us of our civic responsibility. We don't want to be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. Amen. And so uh, I'm grateful and thankful for that. Breast Cancer Awareness Month is the month of October. Certainly want to encourage all of you to be mindful of that. Um, ladies in particular, although men can also contract breast cancer, want you to make sure you get your annual mammograms, make sure you get checked out. Um, it is a deadly and devastating disease, especially among African-American women who suffer from it at a higher rate and a deadlier rate than any other ethnic group. So make sure that you get checked and make sure that you do it soon. Uh, on November the 5th, we're having our church carnival. Now, I, I want to tell our leadership team, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise for this. Man, I want to thank our 150th anniversary committee. They have done a tremendous job continuing to plan events. And we talked about doing a church picnic and something that would facilitate fellowship and fun and family together. And they uh, named it our Good Hope Church Carnival. Um, information is in our monthly worship magazine. Ticket prices are in there. Um, there'll be food. There'll be fun. There'll be festivities. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a great time. And you know we had to wait till about November so the heat would be gone for real. You know what I mean? You, you, we can't have no church picnics in Texas in July, right? All the other places in the country would be like, oh, we're going to have a church picnic in July. Be like, mm -mm, no, nah, we're going to have one Christmas Day. That's what we're going to do. About when the weather going to break, right? But we should be good if the Lord holds back the rain on November the 5th. It is going to be a great, great time. You have probably already heard, if you haven't, one of the mothers of our church, uh, Mother Frazier Scurry, went home to be with the Lord. 103 years old. Amen. Um, man, mind sharp as a tech. I called her two weeks ago, about two, maybe three weeks ago now. I called her and I asked, I said, uh, Mother Scurry, how you doing? She said, who is this? I said, this is Pastor. I'm just calling to check on you. About time. I ain't heard from you, son. What have you been doing? And she just went on. I just, all you can say is yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You need to call me more. Yes, ma'am. I'm going to do that. Yes, ma'am. Uh, but she went home to be with the Lord and uh, we're going to celebrate her life on Monday, October the 10th, Monday, October the 10th. And we're looking forward to that. Uh, another mother of our church just celebrated a milestone birthday. Mother Rosemary McGowan, would you please stand, please? <laughs> mother Rosemary McGowan just celebrated her 90th birthday. Amen. Sister McLean, stand up where you are. Stand up. Mother McLean, she just celebrated her 91st birthday. Yeah. I, I was out of town. I couldn't make the birthday, so I couldn't line dance with Sister McGowan, but she was, she was doing her thing, and we certainly are grateful for these ladies and grateful for God blessing them with longevity. Now, do me a favor. It is the month of October. Where are all of my October birthdays? I'm, I'm surrounded up here, y'all. Wow. Like,
like half the praise scene. Lord Jesus. Well, we're singing happy. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Well, we're singing happy. Listen, I hope and pray you have a great birthday. Listen, the more you have, the more you appreciate them. Amen. Man, when you're little, you just take them for granted, boy. But when you can start getting a little older, you'll be like, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We had uh, our oldest grandson's birthday on yesterday. Jace turned seven. And uh, so we had a bunch of load of kids all at the house. Just a bunch of load of kids. My wife did a tremendous job. I hid in the man cave, but she did a tremendous job. She did a tremendous job. And uh, I just came out, peeped my head out. How you doing? Happy birthday, everybody. All right, I'm going back in here. Had to work on my sermon, y'all. That's what I had. Had to work on my Had a lot of work to do on my sermon, you know what I mean? God's work. Had to do God's work. Anyway, uh, so I came in and I said, man, y'all having fun? And it's amazing when you hear kids like five, six, and seven talking about, this is the best party ever. And I'm like, well, I hope the Lord blesses you with a few more. You know, you're five. I hope you get a few more in, but I'm so glad you feel that way. Listen, have a happy birthday and have a blessed time in the Lord. The praise team is going to come and minister in song. Following that, we'll have our word for today. And my hope and prayer is that you will be encouraged to continue the journey to becoming all that God wants you to be. I want you to walk in victory. I want you to walk in power. I want you to walk in strength. I want you to fulfill your potential in the Lord. And that really is the guide for my preaching and teaching to help you become all that God wants you to be. And I'm hoping that today's message will add another log onto your fire. All right, come on, put your hands together as the praise team comes. One time clap your hands, give God glory in this place. How many of you know the Lord, the name of the Lord is the strong tower? Come on, clap your hands with us. Right here. So. The name of the Lord is a strong town. The name of the Lord is a strong town. The righteous run and they are saved. The righteous run and they are saved. The name of the Lord is a strong town. The name of the Lord Come is on, a strong town. The righteous run in and they are saved. The Come on, say. The righteous running and they are saved. One more time. The name of the Lord is a strong town. The name of the Lord is a strong town. The righteous running and they are saved. Come on. Say it. Say it. Jesus. So call his name. Jesus. So call his name. Jesus. So call his name. Jesus. Come on, 
in the building this morning in spite of what we go through today can we just worship God hallelujah we give you glory God we give you glory this morning we give you glory God we take this time out to worship you God just because of who you are we give you glory this morning. So we sing glory to the Lamb. Glory to the Lamb. Glory to the Lamb. Say glory to Come and sing, sing glory, glory to the Lamb. Come on, you can help us sing it. Sing glory, glory to the Lamb. That's all we saying right there. Come on and sing glory to, to the Lamb. Oh, sing glory to the Lamb. Come on, say. For he's Come on. Omega, forever is he, he reigns forever, holy is he, come on one more time shout out glory to the name, God we give you worship this morning, Surrender to glory to the Lamb. Oh, glory to the Lamb. Come on, say for He, Omega, forever is He. Is He? Forever, forever. Oh. 
ministry. Whether we like it or not, we have been forced to ask and answer this question 
as a result of the pandemic and what it has revealed regarding the veneer Christianity that many have been practicing. For many people, they thought real church ministry was defined by your faithfulness to attending a corporate church service. Uh, They saw their faith defined by how often they came to a campus or how often they came to a building, not understanding that when the New Testament speaks about real ministry, it's not about coming to church to have church. It's more about us recognizing that every day of our lives, we have a responsibility to be church. That God calls each of us in our own way, in our own shape, in our own fashion to be world changers. And there are some of you who are here today who live vicariously your Christian life through my preaching and through my teaching when in actuality, as my grandmother would say, every tub sits on its own bottom. You can't get to glory, you can't get rewards and glory based on who your pastor is or what your pastor does. Each one of us has a sovereignly given responsibility to be the salt and light in the world that God has called us to be. And so today, I want to continue our thought around this idea of how to minister to make a difference. How to minister to make a difference. How to be the kind of church that, listen to me carefully, if our doors had to close, somebody would actually miss us. Besides those of us who come here, the question is, would anybody who lives around here miss us? Are we making a difference in anybody's life, locally, nationally, or internationally, to justify us being here on this planet? Now, our scripture foundation is Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. It comes on the heels of Peter preaching and 3,000 souls coming to give notification of the birth of the church of the Lord. Uh, You get to Acts chapter 3, that 3,000 has been added to, and people are literally excited about their walk, excited about their faith in the Lord. And we see in Acts chapter 3 a great example, a, a snapshot of what the salvation of men and women looks like. Now, unless I shared with you in part one, two important points that I want to share just as a point of reminder. I said, shared with you, number one, you need to realize to be used by the Lord, you must make prayer your priority. The Bible says that Peter and John were on their way up to the temple. It was the ninth hour and they were going to pray. Every dedicated Jew during this time prayed at least three times a day. They would pray at 9 a.m., they would pray at 12 noon, and they would pray at 3 p.m. Their prayer life wasn't limited to that. That wasn't the maximum amount of praying, but that was the minimum expectation that they would make prayer a priority. And the Bible says it was the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and Peter and John were on their way to the temple. I asked you this question the last time we spoke on this subject. I'm going to ask you again, how is your prayer life? And how committed are you to praying? Do you block out time in your schedule to pray? Listen to me carefully. Nobody is going to make prayer a priority for you except you. Some people may drive you to pray, but they're not going to necessarily control when you pray. And let me share something with you. If you're going to guard your prayer time, when you guard your prayer time, that means you don't stop because the phone is ringing. I don't care if it's the bat signal. 
you don't stop your prayer commitment to answer the phone. I know what somebody's thinking. What if it's an emergency? If it's a real emergency, it'll still be one when you finish praying. You don't stop because somebody's going to get mad if you don't answer the phone. Let them get mad. And then you can pray about them the next time you pray. You have to make your spiritual growth, your spiritual maturity, your spiritual journey, your priority, because nobody else is going to do that for you. Second thing I shared with you is you need to realize the Lord wants to work through you to change lives. Acts chapter 3 records the first miracle of the church, and God demonstrates his power to change what was previously unchangeable. And there's two powerful principles that come out of this story. First, that the power of Jesus is still alive. Remember, he died, he was raised from the dead, and now he has ascended into heaven. But it was important for people to know that the power of the Lord, the same power that raised him, was still available and was alive and well. Second thing related to that was not only that the power of the Lord was still around, but that God wanted to work through his followers with the power of God. In other words, here's what the Lord wanted you to know. Not only is the power of the Lord still available, but I want to work through you. I want to use you. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, me? Like, God, you sure you won't use me? You know how messed up I can be, Lord? And the Lord says, absolutely. That's why I'm going to get the glory when you let me work through you the way I want to work through you. Because when people see me working through you, they're going to know it's not you. They already know you. I'm going to work through you, and they're going to say, that must be God. (laughs) It must be God. There's a God somewhere. And you have to make a basic decision. Here's the basic decision you have to make. Are you going to add value to people's lives, or are you going to take value away from people's lives? Jesus always added value. He always added value to people, and you want to be that kind of person. Uh, Today, I'm going to share with you the first point. I don't have time to get through both of them, Uh, but in part two today, I want to share with you the first thing. If you're going to minister to make a difference, you must believe a person's life will be better with Jesus than without Jesus. You must believe a person's life will be better with Jesus than without Jesus. Verse 6, Acts chapter 3, the ESV translation says, But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter had no silver, no gold, no money, No material goods. Now, for anybody that is sitting at any place begging, that's a bad combination. If you drive by right now and find a person on the corner saying, we'll work for food, holding a sign, and you roll down your window and say, I have no money, no silver, no gold, and no resources to give you, they're going to probably look at you and ask, why did you even roll your window down? Because at the end of the day, almost everyone in life wants more money. Every church in ministry wants more money to do more ministry in order to help more people. But here's what's interesting. How many times, listen to me carefully, How many times do you focus on what you can't do more than focusing on what you can do? I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that the overwhelming majority of us 
measure and value what other people can do more than we value what we can do. And we focus more on what we can't do than focusing on what we can do. See, we spend so much time focusing on what we can't do that we miss focusing on even what God can do. But the text teaches us that if you don't have something to give, listen carefully, you still have someone you can give. If you can't give stuff, you can still give the Savior. Here's what the Lord wants you to understand. Peter gave the man what he had. He articulated what he didn't have, but he didn't stop there. He gave the man what he had, which turned out to be what the man really needed. Listen, you need to give what you have to help people where they are. And if you don't have anything to give, you still have Jesus. And watch this. Even if you have stuff to give, you still need to give Jesus. Do do you understand, in, in the midst of everything that we do as a ministry, if we don't give the Lord, we're not doing the ministry that God has called us to do. If if we gave away cars and houses to people with no Jesus, we would be missing our purpose in life. If we gave social services and legal support with no Jesus, we would be missing what God has called us to do. Somebody in here, here's what the Lord says to you. Do you realize that a person's life is better with Jesus than without Jesus? See, the truth of the matter is, God's not in the silver, and he's not in the gold. You know, there are people who think that because they have silver and gold that they have necessarily been blessed by God. And the truth of the matter is, the biggest sinner, the biggest hellion, the biggest devil in town can have money. The presence of money does not necessarily indicate the presence of God in a person's life. With Jesus, you have more than you think you have because there's something about the name of Jesus. So so how how do you get to the place where you're willing to share what you know if you know that having Jesus is more important than not having Jesus. Watch this. You have to be confident, number one, that you belong to God. You've got to be confident that you belong to God. How many of you believe that you belong to God? Yeah, because watch this. You can't export what you haven't imported. You you can't sell somebody something that you haven't bought yourself. You've got to believe because you can testify about what God has done in your life. So you've got to be confident that you belong to God, and then you have to be confident in what God has done and is doing in your life. Anybody in here believe God is doing something in your life right now? Now watch this. It may not make sense to you. You may not see it all right now. As the old song used to say, you may not understand it until by and by. But if you got a track record with the Lord, you can look back over your life and see some stuff that didn't make sense yesterday, it makes sense today. But then watch this, you got to be confident, listen carefully, that God can do for someone else what he's done for you. See, here's what's amazing to me. It's amazing how many of us act like we've always been where we are right now. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person next to you. I'm not talking about you. It's just amazing how we we just act like we've always been where we are right now, and we don't want to admit that we are still a work in progress. You act like you never cuss. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I can hear that. Like some profane words have never come out of your mouth. When the truth of the matter is you still cuss, thank God you cuss less. (laughs) 
Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I see it right there. I see it. God says that you got to be better and believe that God can make somebody else better when they come to know Jesus. Peter says, silver and gold, I have none, but in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And, and see, there's something about a name. Uh, that, that idea of a name means to call upon the authority, the power, the office of the person in that position. There, there's certain things that happen in certain places when you use the right name. When you name the name of, of Jesus, you got to remember all authority is in his name. Come on, the scripture says his, his name is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that to the glory of God, he is Lord. He says, use his name. Peter says, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. I don't have silver and gold, but I got Jesus. Because here's what he recognizes. Silver and gold can never bring permanent happiness, health, or wholeness. At best, silver and gold might bring the temporary, but it can never bring the permanent. Silver and gold might delay you going in the ground, but silver and gold won't keep you out of the grave. <laughs> yeah. Paul says, such as I have, give I thee. And this is our purpose for being on earth. This, this is our purpose for being here. Jesus came, Matthew 28, 18. Look at what the text says. And spoke unto them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Listen, our purpose for being on earth is to represent Christ and to share Christ's power with those throughout the world who need him most. Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm doing better on time than I thought. Let's go to the second point. Here's the second thing. Number two, and I'm going to let you go. You must make a commitment to let people walk with you after you help them walk with Jesus. If you're going to have a ministry that makes a difference, if we're going to be a ministry that makes a difference, you must make a commitment to let people walk with you after you help them walk with Jesus. Watch what the text says. Go to verse 7. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. Are you with me? Go to verse 8. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple, there it is, with them. Don't stop there. Go to verse 11. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. Now, there's been a major shift in this text. He was begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. But he's shouting at Solomon's porch. People walked by him at the temple gate. But they ran over to see what happened to him at Solomon's porch. And Peter backs up what he said by what he did. His declaration was matched by his deeds. His proclamation was matched by his practices. His word and witness were matched by his works. He, he, he brought this man from a place of being an invalid to being healed in the power of God. Here's what God wants to know. Are you willing to help somebody find their healing and wholeness for their life? 
Listen, every time I, I ride down the street, I ride by and, and see somebody living on the streets, homeless, and, and, and I'm not there to assess them. There's no moral judgment being cast upon them. I'm just literally, literally reminded that they are somebody's child. And nobody starts off life being asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And somebody answer as a child, I want to be homeless. I want to be a drug addict. I want to be a prostitute. No, no, nobody starts off as a child dreaming that as a life goal and aspiration. But how many of you know life happens? See, some of y'all acting like you always been saved. I understand. I understand. But the truth be told, there's a private side that you have that you don't want to be made public. Peter helps this man find healing and wholeness. Because here's what he teaches us. The truth is, for many believers, it's easier to give money and walk away than to give Jesus and walk with the person you shared Jesus with. Some of y'all missed it. Let me say it again. It's easier to give money and walk away than it is to give Jesus and walk with the person you shared Jesus with. Peter shows us that you and I, we've got to be willing to add some work to our witness. Because our faith without works is what? Dead. James says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? James chapter 2 verse 14. Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Watch what James says in verse 18. He says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Here's what Jesus says to you and Jesus says to me. If we're going to be a ministry that makes a difference, if we're going to fulfill our personal potential in the Lord, it's not enough just to see the needs of the world. It's not enough just to focus our attention on the needs of the world. We've got to do something. Now, watch this. Watch this. It's interesting that the Lord lays out this almost symbiotic relationship between our part, the person's part, and his part. Stay with me. Verse 7, Peter took the lame man by the right hand. He reaches down, takes the man by the right hand, and lifts him up. That's faith. The man led him. That's trust. Jesus heals him. That's power. Let me, let me, put, let me put 50 cents in the meter because I may have to stay here a little longer. Peter reaches to the man where he is. Watch this. He doesn't require the man to move from where he is to come to where he is. He reaches to the man where he is Based on his reach, the man trusts him, puts his hand in Peter's hand, and when the man puts his hand in Peter's hand, after Peter initiates the contact with the man, the power of God moves in the midst of that relationship. Here's all I'm trying to tell you. We've got to do our part, help people do their part, and then trust God to do his part. Let me see if I can make it plain. Let me see if I can help somebody. Because here's, here's the mistake. Here's, here's the mistake that we are doing in church today. In, in, in the early church, in the early church, first century church forward, 
We define the success of the ministry by its going capacity. It's sending capacity. We are to send people into the hedges and the highways, right? We're to find people who are hurting where they are and take the gospel to them. But around 1000 AD, a shift occurred and we changed our methodology from our sending capacity to our seating capacity. See, in the first century church, they didn't have buildings. They met in houses and they met from house to house and they defined their ministries by going. But once we started building buildings, we shifted from going and sending to waiting for sinners to come to us. And then we got mad when sinners stopped coming. Peter and John went to the temple. They found a man, reached out, and that relationship released the power of God by faith. Peter and John had faith. The man had faith, and God moved because of their faith. And the Bible says, look at verse 11. It says that the healed man clung to them. Now, now, I already know some of us don't, don't want people being clingy. Come on, you be honest. You don't like clingy people. You know, don't, don't call me all the time. Don't be up in my face all the time. Not all the time, you know. Sometimes. Some of y'all don't even want your spouses to be clingy, you know. Get, get a life. Get a friend. Do something. We ain't got to be together all the time. Not all the time. You know, why y'all looking at me strange? Y'all know I'm telling the truth. I'm not talking about my wife. Don't worry. I got... Better sense than to say that about my wife from the pulpit. I didn't say that, you know. I love you, baby. <laughs> you cling to me anytime you want, girl. Anytime. Some of y'all not laughing yet. I'm praying for you right now. I'm looking at some of y'all. Y'all got that mean mug on like I ain't laughing because I'm sitting next to the person that I don't want clinging to me, okay? <laughs> some of y'all looking like you better not laugh. <laughs> anyway, the text says that the man clung to them. That word cling is an interesting word because it literally means use your strength to hold fast to or to hold on to. Now, watch what happens. The man is healed. And the text says they move from the temple gate to Solomon's porch. People who walk by now are walking too. Because they know who this man is because they've been walking by him for years. And they want to see what happened. What, what was it that changed this anonymous lame man? What was it that changed this attitude? What was it that changed his life? His whole being has been changed. He, he's not embarrassed anymore. He's not guilty anymore. He's not hurt anymore. He's not rejected anymore. There's no more shame. He was saved and he was healed from the inside out. He's a changed man. He's standing. He's walking. He's leaping and he's praising God. Listen, anybody who's ever been changed by God, there ought to be some evidence. Lord have mercy. There ought to be some evidence that you've been changed and when somebody sees your change, they ought to be inspired to be changed by the same God who could change you. Psalm 66 verse 16 says, come in here, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. Somebody said it like this. I am a living testimony. Could have been dead and gone. But the Lord let me live on. I am a 
living testimony. Have I got a witness in here? Anybody a living testimony? Anybody in here, if you can tell your story, we would marvel at the great thing that God has done in your life. This man was born lame, but he experienced the change in his life. And now that the man could stand, there was no question where he stood. He made it clear that he had decided to make Jesus his choice. And all I'm trying to tell somebody is nobody should ever have a question about whose side you're standing on. Yeah, don't be more ready to give money than you are to give Jesus. You ought to be willing to share your testimony that you haven't always been where you are. That you've gone through the storm and the rain. That you've gone through hardship and pain. But thanks be to God, God has brought you out. Have I got a witness in here anywhere? Somebody in here right now needs to recognize it's time to make a stand for Jesus. But not only you stand, help somebody else to stand for him. It's time to stand with Jesus, but help somebody else stand with him. It's time to stand for Jesus, but help somebody else stand for Jesus. It's time to trust in the Lord, but help somebody else stand and trust in the Lord. Because there's still power in the name of Jesus. Have I got a witness here? There's the power to bless. There's the power to change. There's the power to deliver. There's the power to heal. There's the power to raise you up. There's the power to turn your life around. It's time to believe that he's still able to love the suffering, to take care of the lost, and care for his own. Have I got a witness here? Yes! Yes! There's a group of people who didn't get excited about this man's changed life because misery loves company. And some folk benefit from your bad situation. But don't stop moving because somebody gets mad at you. Keep on walking. Keep on following. Keep on trusting in what God is doing in your life. Yes! Yes! Jesus is our advocate. He stays with us through the storm and the rain. His authority is unquestionable. His glory is undefinable. His joy is unspeakable. His judgment is unquestionable. His love is immeasurable. His power is unconquerable. His peace is unsurpassable. His truth is unshakable. His creation is unbelievable. His radiance is undescribable. His goodness is unimaginable. His presence is unmistakable. Have I got a witness here? His faithfulness is undeniable. His foundation is immovable. His mission is undefeatable. And his grace is inexhaustible. Yes! Yes! He is everything we could want. He has everything we can need. That's why we need to lift him up everywhere we go. Lift the Savior up. How to reach the masses, men of every birth, for an 
Jesus gave the key. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. Oh, 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 the world is hungry for the living bread. Lift the Savior up for them to see. Trust him and do not doubt the words that he said. I'll draw all men unto me. Lift the Savior everywhere you go. Lift the Savior for men to see. And he will, he will, he will draw all men unto himself. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. I know he's all right. Y'all, I'm trying to stop y'all, but... Lord have mercy. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my, 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 my soul. My soul, my soul, my soul, my soul. Says hallelujah, hallelujah. I thank God for saving me. I thank God for keeping me. I thank God for making a way for me. Yes. Hallelujah. 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 You see the glory, you don't know the story. You see the anointing, you don't see the agony. Behind the scenes. Hallelujah. Anybody in here, can you just thank God for his faithfulness? Come on, thank God for his faithfulness. You look better than you feel right now. Thank God for his faithfulness in your life. Because you are a living testimony. And a ministry that makes the difference does not focus on the accumulation of stuff but focuses on the changing of lives. Meeting people where they are and walking with them from where they are to where God wants them to be. Even if you've got to let them cling to you. Even if you've got to let them walk close with you. Sometimes you've got to protect them from some other folk. Come on, come on. Sometimes you've got some lambs that you might have to protect from some goats. Everybody in their family might not be happy to see that they're saved, that they're turning their life around. Come on, I want you to think about it for a minute. The, the pimp's not going to be happy when, when the prostitute stops selling a body. The, the drug dealer's not going to be happy when the drug habit is broken and the, and the drug addict says, I'm turning my life around. There's some folk who are not going to be happy when somebody changes their life. But we've got to be willing to walk with them, stand beside them, have their back to help them walk in Jesus, help them grow in Jesus, and help them become what God wants them to be. Come on, if you know I'm right, give the Lord a hand of praise in here.
All right, every head bowed. Lord, we come and we thank you for this message today to remind us afresh of the difference that we make, Lord. I thank you for your people and I thank you for all of the hearts that have been touched. Now, Lord, I pray for everyone on the sound of my voice that you bless them when they rise up early and settle late. Bless them when they go out and when they come in. Bless them in their labor and in their leisure until we come together again in the house of prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. All right. Give somebody a fist bump, elbow bump on the way out. Remember, God is doing something wonderful in you. Something wonderful in you. Say, God, God is doing something.